Hear now our scripture lesson from Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above, where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Think about the things above, not things on earth. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then in him you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. You used to live this way when you were alive to these things. But now, set aside these things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. Jesus is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few weeks ago, I offered, does anyone want a cat? No one took me up on it. But I thought that anyway, I would introduce you to Boomer, and if you would show that first picture of Boomer the cat, is he not the sweetest thing ever? He was uh, one of the, the, the kittens for the mama cat that showed up on our back porch, skinny, wanting something to eat, wanting somebody to take care of her, and it turns out not just her, but her little kittens. We set out food, and a few days later, instead of just her coming to eat the food, she brought her litter, and she was nursing them next to the bowl of food as though to teach them, to teach them that this was a good place, a place where you could find food. We watched her teach those kittens. It was so amazing. Most of the time, the kittens stayed under the, the shed where we kept the lawnmower. There's a little area under the shed, and the kittens and the cat would stay there most of the time. But every now and then, they would come out. And one day, we watched as Mama Cat brought, brought the one we called Curious George, a half-dead chipmunk, and showed him how to take care of the rest of the half-dead, and then brought another one, and then a third one, so that all the kittens would know what you do, what you do, how, how you fend for yourself out in the wild, because they were wild. Walk outside, and they would run. The only way we ever got them to come close was, was calling out, kitty, kitty, want some tuna? And we'd set out some tuna. We did it over and over and over again until they began to get close enough, close enough for us to, well, snatch and, and take to the vet. So, so, but um, close enough. And Boomer, Boomer still, still, when I walk into the room, runs. I walk into the living room, and it's, it's like he is poised to run. It's like he's so fearful that someone is going to, 
I don't know, grab him and take him to the vet. Uh, the, the, someone is going to take him and, and do something to him, something scary. He's so fearful that, that he runs. I pull into the, the garage and, oh, he's out of there. There's only one time and place where he seems to feel secure, and that's at nighttime in the bed, which is why he's there on the bed. He seems to feel secure there. The other morning, I called out to Ed on the other side of the house. You gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come. For the first time, Boomer was purring. And there he is, laying there, wanting to be pet and rumbling and rumbling loud. It was like, like he had connected to us in a way, at least just in the bedroom connected. And, and he had connected to us, and he wasn't fearful. He could just be and be loved. It has taken two years of kitty kitty want some tuna and petting, and loving, and safety, for him to realize there is another way to live rather than running away. There is another way to live other than being driven by fear. In this space, in this in this place with these people at least there's safety there's no need to be afraid paul writes like that paul writes like that in his letter to the colossians he, he starts off in in chapter one and he says you have been transferred from the the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light you have been trans transferred already you may not recognize it but but you have already been transferred don't don't live like you're living in darkness like you're afraid like there is no hope like there is no future like there is no way forward live as children who have been chosen by God, children who are beloved by God, not live with fear and greed as though I'm never going to have enough, there won't be enough, so I have to have more, not live as though, as though it's only you and, 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 and only you, and so, so to, to look for other people, to look for other people, not for relationships, loving relationships, but what can they give me? What can they give me? But to live not out of fear, not out of selfishness, but live in a kingdom of love, a realm of light and love. Paul says over and over in this letter to the Colossians, I want so much more for you. I want you to grow in spiritual wisdom. I want you to do this. I want you to be giving thanks. I tell you, it's hard to be thankful and fearful at the same time. This is part of realizing 
that you live in a realm that is goodness, that you live in a realm that is light, a realm in which God, God is the one who rules this kingdom. That in Christ, you are connected to Christ in your baptism and that you die with Christ and you rise with Christ. And he says that in our reading today. If you've risen with Christ, there's another way, a much, a much better way, a way of hope, a way of peace, a way of not living out of being fearful, fearful of death, fearful of not enough, fearful of to get my way, I've got to use other people, no, Now, a life in which we can trust God, where we don't even have to be afraid, afraid of death, afraid of death. At one time, people expected the Messiah to come and and change everything, to bring about the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus shows up and, and starts saying, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is within you, they believe that everything is going to change immediately. I'll show this, 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 this timeline, this timeline, if you would, of what they, they are thinking, that, that this began with creation and, and sin, and then this present age in which everything is wrong, and then at some point the Messiah would show up and everything would change, the kingdom of God, that there would be a resurrection of the dead, all the dead, and, and, and that there would be this, this time in which God rules. Only Jesus shows up and says the, the kingdom of God is, is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is, is here And things didn't seem to change much. They expected all the oppressors to be vanquished. They expected Rome to be dealt with. And instead, it seemed like they were still living in the present age. They expected a resurrection of everybody, not just the few that Jesus rose from the dead, Lazarus and and, and, and a child here and, and... It wasn't what they expected at all. Paul writes, Paul writes, as though though this, this realm, this present age is going on at the same time as the kingdom of God. And if you would show this, this next image that kind of, kind of shows what it would be like that, that we're living in this present age and the kingdom of God has broken in. Jesus has conquered sin and death. And yet there is sin and death in this present age around us. Jesus had overthrown the powers and the principalities, as Paul writes in chapter 2 of Colossians, that Jesus has already overthrown the kings, the rulers, And yet, 
And yet, when you look out, it looks as though no Pilate's still on the throne. A breaking in, an overlap of the kingdom of God. So it's not just this hard line before we were in one age and now we're in, in another. Paul writes as though both are present. A kingdom of God where God, where God rules and this present age where there are some who live as though they are children of darkness rather than children of light. Jesus is the Messiah. Everything has changed, if you can just see it. The most frequent example that theologians use in, in talking about kind of what this looks like is thinking about World War II and the invasion of Normandy. At the time of the invasion, the German generals knew this is the end. We are done for. We have lost. There was no hope of recovery. And yet, it's at least a year before there is actual peace. There is continued fighting. There is continued struggle. Some of the battles during this time are some of the, the most horrific of all. They've won. The Allied forces have won. And yet the struggle, struggle continues. Jesus comes and, and he has won over demonic forces. We see this in the Gospel of Mark over and over. Jesus casts out demons, heals those with a legion of demons, and, and overthrows these, these forces. And, and, and we see this, this the, the consequences of sin overcome. Jesus forgiving sin. Jesus, Jesus telling a, a paralytic, your sins have forgiven and yet, and yet, the battle continues and still is fierce. Paul writes, you do not have to live in old ways. There is a better way. There is a better way. He writes, when Christ comes, we will be transformed. We'll see Christ as he is. And at the same time, Paul wants them not to wait, but to allow God to begin the transformation now. No, we don't know exactly what Christ is like, but yeah, there are some things that we know from seeing Jesus. There are some things we know from reading the Gospels about what God wants for us. Some people think of the work of salvation as kind of like a football team that's near the end zone, just a few yards to go. And, and salvation is like, I'm going to carry this football all the way down the field. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to pass to the people I want. But you know what? I got someone who's going to do a tush push when I get near the end and just push me over. God wants so much more. 
than that for us. Don't be angry, Paul writes. Don't hold on to anger. Let it go. Yes, yes, the old things will pass away. Yes, in this realm to come, in the next life, this will be taken away. We will be given a a new attitude. You're not happy being angry now. Why wait? Why wait until that next life? You're not happy being fearful now. Why wait? Why wait until that next life when you can say, I am connected to Christ? I am connected to Christ in my baptism, and I have died with Christ to these ways, and I have risen with Christ. I am risen now, I claim it now for the here and now, and I claim it, I claim it for that next life as well. I trust God, I trust God for this life and the next. One of the first times I ever did a Stations of the Cross I asked a member of the church to write one of the devotions, to write a devotion for the time when the women see Jesus marching, carrying his cross to Golgotha, and the women weep. And she said, oh, I can do that. I can do that. You see, I know. I know why they wept. My daddy died a couple of years ago, and I still grieve so much for him. I miss him so much. I know I'm going to see him again, and I know these tears will be wiped away, but right now I miss him. And part of the reason why I miss him is that nobody else saw me the way he did. That's how it was for those women, I think, in a world in which, which women were silent. Women stayed in back rooms and were, were not allowed for other, by other rabbis to sit at their feet. These were women that saw Jesus. He saw them as people. And here was someone dying that really saw them. And that's why they were crying. That's one of the things we love about the people we name on days like today, All Saints Sunday. They saw us as we are, and they loved us for just who we are. They loved us in many different ways, sometimes with traditions, sometimes with silly jokes, sometimes by showing up in unexpected times and ways. They saw us 
and loved us. And in that way, and in so many other ways, we saw in them the light of Jesus, the light that shone in the darkness. We saw in them a love, a love, a love for Christ that flowed through them and others. And I'm changed. I'm changed because of it. In our Holy Communion today, when we come forward, I invite you to light a candle when you come forward. Because there are still people for whom we grieve and still people for whom we give thanks. We will name those who are part of our church family who've passed away in the last year. And I know for many of you, these are people that you miss. People that you wish you could just spend one more hour with, one more moment with. Give thanks. Give thanks for the hours we did have. And give thanks for that time in which tears are wiped away. And once again, once again, we laugh together, sing together, tell stupid jokes together. Give thanks. You have as well tags. And if you didn't turn in a tag in the offering, I've been training you to do that, haven't I? To think of offerings as a way of giving thanks. If you haven't yet, write the name of someone, someone through whom God has spoken, someone who has seen you. Maybe a Sunday school teacher who cared enough to tell you about God. Maybe a grandparent who saw you and loved you and gave you a glimpse of what the love of God is like. And you're welcome to bring that forward as well and, and place it on the prayer rail, light a candle in honor of them, place a name down. And yeah, you may say, I miss you. But also say thank you. Thank you, God.